try not to get discouraged and think, oh man, now I'm so far away from it. Think, hey, if you get your numbers to where they make sense in a bear market, you're going to be bulletproof when you get ready to actually pull the trigger. Welcome to The Fi Show, where you'll get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Fi Show, where today we're going to be talking about bear markets and recessions. Fun stuff, right? But before we get into that, let me check in with my co-host, Justin. What is going on, man? Hey, Cody. After sticking around Austin for one weekend, you know, it's getting getting that travel bug itch. Had to hit the road again, so... We did a super early flight Thursday, got back really late Saturday, went to Denver and saw a show at Red Rocks, saw the Ava Brothers. If you've never been to a show at Red Rocks and you like music, it's like the coolest music venue I've ever been to. Amazing acoustics. Got to do some hiking up in the mountains. Got to hit some priority pass lounge time in Denver. This was another trip, though. It's like a great example. I know me and Cody have talked about a lot about networking and networking in multiple different ways. Like, it can also save you a lot of money when you're traveling. Me and Cody, I think, are probably leaning in more than anybody I know to, hey, I know somebody who lives in that city. I could just grab them breakfast and they would come get me from the airport. And, you know, I stay with them for a couple of days and they're excited to see me. I'm excited to see them because you maintain those relationships. And it's good on a lot of different levels. I mean, not only are you getting to maintain that relationship, but the side benefit is also does get to save you money. Not that you're going into it to just to save money, but it's like this nice added cherry on top. And even me and Cody, like this past week, we've been planning our trip to FinCon. And if you look at it, it's going to be a dirt cheap trip because like we kind of all got together and split the costs. And I mean, I'm talking like 80 something dollars for my flights down to Orlando, 200 bucks for however many nights at FinCon in the a nice hotel at the resort. Then we're going to Universal Studios, which is like 300 and something bucks a person for three nights and four days of Universal Studios. So you're talking like an $800 trip all in, and you got like a week in Florida with stay, Universal Studios, yada, yada, yada. And I think people a lot of times would look at that trip and think, ah, it's definitely going to cost me a couple grand. But, you know, just got to be smart about it. Yeah, just want to reiterate, there's always creative ways to save money on stuff. And I'm super pumped. I'm really excited. We've got everything booked for FinCon. Excited to hang out with the gang again. FinCon is one of my favorite times of the year because I get to you know, hang out with people that I haven't hung out with all year. I'm just seeing them on the internet, but then we finally get to hang out in person. We'll also probably get over $800 worth of free happy hours while we're there, if I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> at a minimum, at a minimum, and close. <laughs> and about 100 t-shirts. But for me this past weekend... Speaking of free travel, we got to stay up in Keene, New Hampshire with Lauren's brother and you know, it was beautiful hiking up there. It's an awesome little college town. So we stayed at his place overnight then. And then on Sunday, we went to the Levitate concert, which is this big concert they do every single year in Massachusetts. And they have a whole spread of artists. There's like 15 different artists. It's a three-day festival. We just ended up going on Sunday, but I know some people who did all three days, all the power to them. And on the business front, what's super exciting is if you've been a long-time listener, and by long time, I guess I mean like the past few months, I am finally closing on that duplex that I bought right near my hometown. So excited about that. It's going to need a bit of a rehab. It's probably the biggest rehab job we've done, but it's looking like it's going to cash flow really well, even if the real estate market takes a hit, even if rental rates depress by like 20%. So I guess with that being said, Justin, let's kind of hop into this thing and talk about bear markets and recessions. It seems to be 
What's all over the news, all over social media, we are officially in both a bear market and a recession, recording this in the beginning of July 2020, who might be listening to this later on. Justin, now that we're officially in this kind of different state, I mean, we've been in a bull market for 12 or 13 years at this point. What's your game plan? I think the game plan is uh, actually, when you asked me that, it made me think of this hilarious quote from a, a movie called Fubar that's like this ridiculous Canadian film. And they, they ask one of the main characters what the plan is. And he says, well, the plan right now is just to keep on giving her. And they say, is that even a plan? He's like, yeah, that's the plan right now. So it's like, that's the plan. I'm just going to keep doing what I've always done. Keep feeding the beast, keep feeding the machine, putting money into the market. While it has not been a bear market in a long time, like we have seen some moments where you could get scared and freak out and make a decision. I mean, when COVID first hit, you know, we saw these huge, like, I think it was like 30 plus percent drop in a month. Like it was very sudden, which could even be more shocking to the system, honestly. And so a lot of people could have made rash decisions. I know we had folks come on the show and talk about a friend who heard the news coming down the pipeline and took all their money out of the market. And I honestly was feeling like FOMO, like, man, I should have got my money, even though I know that's not the right thing. I mean, it happens to all of us. And sure enough, you know, if you kept your money in the market, you more than made up that 30% drop, you made a ton of money. And that was just a, that's a great recent example we have that you can't make those knee jerk decisions. You can't let emotions enter your plan. Like you need to make a plan when you're in a good place mentally and calm and you put a plan together and then you stick to that plan. You don't make emotional decisions around that plan. So my plan is just to keep on putting everything in there. And honestly, in moments like this, I'll probably even double down harder. Like I'll probably save, try to save even more because in my mind, there's not that many opportunities that you'll have during your path to retirement where you have a market that's down 20 plus percent for a long enough period of time to where like, you know, if you have a steady income, you can constantly buy at a down 20% kind of rate. So I see it as an opportunity and uh, I'm excited that I get this opportunity before I decide to retire. I think the not timing the market thing cannot be said enough. And it, everyone knows that too. Everyone's heard don't time the market. But just like you, I remember we had that episode and I was like, man, that guy's so smart. He's taking his money out of the market. Like, I'm just going to have to ride this thing out. Maybe if I was smart like him, I could have taken my money and made an awesome return once the market started rebounding. But, you know, that guy probably lost out because he didn't expect the market to rebound in less than a month. So, yeah, just not timing the market is huge. And just to reiterate, I think we're on the same page with this, Justin. I mean, we're both still just auto contributing to our investment accounts every single month. And whether you're contributing to a 401k, IRA, brokerage account, if you already have that thing on auto contribute, please do not stop those contributions because, and you probably heard this too, it's cliche at this point, but you're getting those stocks at a discount. I mean, you really are. Your $1,000 a couple months ago got you way less than $1,000 today does. So keep auto contributing, trust the process. We're in this for the long haul. And I know, Justin, we talked about this a little bit before we both hit go and hit record. This is the time to double down. If you're young, if you're hungry, if you're in a similar position to Justin and myself, you know, this is for like the hardcore five people. I know we have a lot of you <laughs> in our audience, but this is the time to double down, like get those extra hours at work, pick up that side hustle, squeeze those expenses a little bit more if possible. You know, we're not saying deprive yourself. We're not saying work yourself into the ground, but if you have the capacity to maybe watch one less episode of Stranger Things and instead you can you know, focus on a side hustle or take some course that's going to give you a raise at work and you can just shove that extra money into the market while it's down 20%, that's going to set you up for huge wins down the road. 
It also might be an opportunity to just take a deeper look at your finances because while you don't want to turn off those kind of auto contributions, I've definitely talked to plenty of people who sit there and they move their money over like into their, like from their checking account to their IRA and then totally spaced out and never actually invested it. And it was just sitting there in like their settlement fund. Or maybe you weren't paying attention and you got a little heavier on cash than you meant to. So not that you've been preparing this whole time and looking for it and trying to time it, but you may have accidentally found yourself in an advantageous spot where you have more cash than you need and now could be a good time to deploy it. I think another interesting thing, and we've talked about this, I guess, I don't know if we've mentioned it publicly or in private or what, but how sequence of returns risk can kind of work to your benefit and how it's kind of playing out perfectly in your scenario right now, if you could tell the audience. Yeah, so I have always like hoped that I would have like a pretty strong bear market before I retired. I was like, I don't want this thing to just keep going up and keep going up, keep going up and me pull the trigger because sequence of returns risk, which is basically in a, a TLDR kind of thing, is the biggest risk you have to your retirement, early retirement, other than crazy inflation, is having that drop right out of the gate. Like just right out of the gate drop. You have to start selling off stocks in order to pay for your expenses and you start eating to it right out of the gate and you just don't have time to kind of make up for it. That is like a really risky proposition if there is one. And so if you want to take that one last part out, it would be getting a bear market before you retire. And so having a bear market come in right before I get ready to retire is actually super awesome timing for me. I mean, not that, you know, you don't want terrible things to happen to people. You don't want this, anyone to have to, check their retirement account and see it down. But if you're in that position where you're getting close to retirement and now you're in this bear market, try not to get discouraged and think, oh man, now I'm so far away from it. Think, hey, if you get your numbers to where they make sense in a bear market, you're going to be bulletproof when you get ready to actually pull the trigger. And another thing with that, just sequence of returns risk and not being able to retire you know, a reason a lot of people you know, get in trouble and they can't retire is because they have really high fixed expenses every month. And you know, Justin and I have covered this in detail on the podcast before, so not going to go over it again and again. But if you can keep those big ones down, like the housing and the transportation and the food, and like maybe your flex spending goes down in the first year or couple years of retirement, let's say Justin did pull the trigger last year and he he retired and now we are in a bear market and he sees his retirement accounts dropping. You know, maybe he cuts out a couple trips this year, you know, even though I know Justin, you're one of the most frugal travelers I've met, but maybe you cut out a couple trips. Maybe you don't go to, out to eat as often. Maybe you go to a few less concerts. But, you know, if you're someone where all of that money that I just mentioned, all the concerts and the eating out and the traveling, if all of that is going towards mortgages and car payments and other fixed expenses that you can't be like, hey, bank, you know what? I'm not doing so well right now. I think I'm just going to pay, you know, half my mortgage. I'll, I'll pay back to you later when we're in a bull market. Doesn't quite work like that. So it's really important to keep those fixed expenses as low as you possibly can. Again, not talking deprivation, just whatever you're comfortable with, because then you don't run as much of a risk of retiring early and having that sequence of returns risk eat into your portfolio so quickly. And if for whatever reason you have made some decisions, and I mean, I can speak from personal experience because I've done this in the last year. Like I have, I have made it okay with myself to increase my fixed expenses because I'd already built up my nest egg and I'm currently employed where I have a good salary. And so I'm comfortable with it. But with that being said, like we mentioned earlier with making that plan without emotion, I also told myself like, hey, the new truck I have, this house I have, if I need to, in a second, I would sell the truck. I would sell the house. Like I would, I would get back to a point to where I offload those fixed expenses 
And I did the math and I know like, hey, even if I take a little hit on each one, like I'd be okay long term getting those fixed expenses down. It would mean that my early retirement plans are still intact. Like I'm okay with that. Like I went into both of those situations knowing they may not get to be permanent. If things work out, they, they can be. And obviously I'm looking at doing things like Airbnb out this primary residence when we're traveling. So that way I'm not double paying. And, you know, again, I think I did a lot of good research and I feel good about kind of the value that my truck is holding. But at the same time, if, you know, a year from now I decide I want to get, I'm ready to retire and it's just not making sense from a math perspective. I've already made peace with the fact that I may need to offload some things in order to lower those expenses. So just, again, make those plans without emotion and really stick to them. And on the topic of housing, something I've had a lot of people ask me lately is, is this a good time to buy a house? And of course, the answer is always, it depends. But it's important to understand the market, what's going on, and how that affects your purchase. So right now, we're in an environment where interest rates are rising. As of recording this, the average mortgage rate in the U.S. is right around 6%. Now, compare this to the 3% that people were getting I mean, just a year ago or a year and a half ago. So I pulled up a mortgage calculator here. If you were to buy a $300,000 home at 3% interest, so you know a year, a year and a half ago, your total monthly payment, this is including taxes and fees. I'm just putting Massachusetts because that's where I'm at. You're looking at 1400 bucks. Now, let me type in 6% and that mortgage just dumped up from 1400 bucks to 1850. So you're looking at 450 extra dollars per month, which that's a pretty substantial sum of money. We'll be right back after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today's sponsor is one I use on a daily basis at my company, Gold City Ventures. That is the sound of a sale in your Shopify store. But did you know that Shopify now also powers in-person selling? Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store or small business. Accept payments, manage inventory, they have everything. Shopify brings together your in-person and online sales business into one source of truth, one dashboard, everything in one place. You know exactly what's going on. And now they have all these customization options. They have plug and play tools that you can integrate with Instagram or TikTok or wherever. You can take your payments by phone or by tablet. Shopify makes it easy. Plus, if you have any questions, their support team is there to help you. I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this audience and Shopify POS just breaks down that barrier to accepting payments with your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash show, all lowercase, at shopify.com slash show to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash show. Now back to the show. Yeah, Cody, with interest rates going up on top of the fact that like house prices have also went up a lot. I mean, just since we bought our house in October, if we bought it today, the difference in with interest rates and just the value of the house, which also makes your property tax go up, all that good stuff. It's $1,800 a month more is what it would be if I bought this house today is what my mortgage would be. It'd go from $2,800 to like $4,600. <laughs> and now even if the price hadn't went up, that mortgage is going to go up like $1,000 a month just because of interest rates. So like the interest rates really do matter so much. You can see what they're doing to these hypothetical mortgage payments. And so if you start to see like, obviously you're already seeing your other accounts probably go down because we're in this bear market. And if you've got something like personal capital, which we're big fans of, and you can hook in things like your Zestimate from Zillow, you may start to see your actual house price go down now at this point. And you might be thinking, what in the world is going on? Like, what does any of this have to do with the housing market? Well, as interest rates continue to go up at a certain point, most likely that's going to put pressure and bring your house value down. Because at the end of the day, people's budgets are just their mortgage payment. It's not 
oh, well, this is a great deal because it's a $200,000 house. It wouldn't matter if the interest rate was 20%. Like at the end of the day, it's the combination of those two things. So so you may see your primary residence or whatever real estate you have. You may actually start to see for the first time some softening where you see that value start to drop a little bit. And that's because of those interest rates. And now as a rental property investor, and again, this is for educational purposes and informational purposes only, but as Warren Buffett said, be greedy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy. There are still opportunities out there. So don't let interest rates, don't let rising housing prices stop you. Because, you know, the reality is even if interest rates are at 6% right now, let's say they're at 10% right now, by the time you're listening to this episode, might be a couple months later, who knows where interest rates are going. But over the long term, you know, mortgages are typically 20 to 30 year, now they're even talking about 40 year vehicles. If you buy a house in a couple months and maybe prices are depressed at that point, like Justin was just talking about, there's been so much pressure from climbing interest rates that, you know, the buyer pool is starting to dry up a bit. Housing prices start to go down. If you can get a house for a solid price, even if the interest rate is really high and you have a solid financial foundation, you know, you've been listening to this podcast forever. You have a really healthy gap between your income and your expenses. You might be able to get an awesome deal on a rental property or a primary residence and then just float that expensive interest payment for a couple of years until rates start to go down. Again, this is just for informational purposes. But, you know, that's how a lot of people scooped up insane deals in the past is, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty in the market. Maybe there were some unfavorable things like climbing housing prices with inflation right now or interest rates rising. When bad things happen and it stops other people from investing in a certain asset class or it scares people away, there might be some good opportunities there. And at this point in the episode, I mean, while we're definitely trying to encourage people to take advantage of these situations, you could be starting to feel like, well, this is a lot of kind of negative information. Like at the end of the day, yeah, it all sounds great, Cody and Justin, but like our personal capital is showing a loss. Like my my investment is down. So how long do I have to kind of expect to be in this and obviously there is no way anyone knows exactly how long this is going to take but on average um, you know what we've seen is it's going to take it would take a little over a year to hit the bottom and we're already six or so months in maybe eight months in and then on average you're going to look at about three years total so two more years from the end of that to get back up to even So you may be looking at like a three-year cycle overall. And that's why it's an interesting strategy I've heard before. Actually, uh, Doug Norman mentioned it to me. Some people will do. They actually will hold three years of cash when they get ready, when they have actually retired. And that is just so that when a bear market hits, they swap over and only spend cash. And then they can ride out that bear market. And so if that is something that gives you that little extra sense of peace, then that might be a way that, hey, you go ahead, hit all your numbers. You're financially independent. And then you go ahead and stack on that extra little bit of cash piece. So, you know, you're riding around with kind of a, a bear market proof thing that you can you can go grab and use and not have to dig into those stocks. As we're talking about rising home prices, and I mean, everything is just going crazy right now. I'm spending like 25% more at the grocery store than I was even a couple of months ago. So we have a full episode on inflation. That's episode 148 and how you can combat inflation. But Justin, you summarize it so perfectly. Could you give the analogy of the amount you're spending on something and how inflation doesn't really matter if that amount is small enough? Yeah, Cody, you know, we've talked a lot about fixed expenses and that's a beautiful thing with fixed expenses is, hey, you know, you you lock in your mortgage for 30 years. It is what it is. But these other things, the things that inflation really touches, like your groceries, like gas, well, if you're only spending $100 a month on groceries and prices increase, like you just mentioned, 25%, okay, but 
made you go to 125. But now if you're at $400 a month and it goes up 25%, now all of a sudden you added an extra $100 on there. So the moral of that story is regardless of what the increase is as a percentage, if you multiply that percentage times a really small number, it's still a really small number. Like it's really hard to cause a small number to get out of control based on just inflation. Same thing with gas. If you're not, if you don't have like really inefficient vehicles, you're not driving a ton and you're not spending that much on gas, you don't get that upset the gas is four fifty a gallon or whatever it is. I mean, because okay, like I still fill up once a month, it's an extra thirty bucks. And I know that could be a privileged thing to say for like myself and a lot of this audience because we're we are so good with our finances. But for anyone, whether it's stressful or not, like the smaller you can start, then that lowers your risk. Because if your starting point is small, then that means you're kind of lowering the ceiling, lowering how bad things can get versus if you are already going into it with large expenses, then you don't really have any room for error. And these these increases can really cause a big difference. So moral of the story, small numbers times large percentages, still small numbers. Something we haven't talked about too much yet, Justin, is crypto. And this has been on the news for the past six months, just insane amount and all over social media as well. And all the you know crypto bros have gone into hiding in their shelters. And, you know, a lot of people have got burned with crypto. But, you know, Justin and I had a couple crypto episodes uh, with Eric Rosenberg and Justin and I both hold crypto as well. I just wanted to kind of talk about crypto, its future and why you should be investing for fundamentals, not for hype. So, If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know Justin and I aren't going and buying the next meme coin that's trending on Twitter. (laughs) Like Justin and I invest in things because we understand the value, the inherent value in them, regardless of price. Like we'd buy at one price, whatever price it was, maybe a couple of years ago, and we're continuing to buy. It's kind of like the stocks. You're just dollar cost averaging because you believe in the value of the inherent thing of the stock market in general. So with crypto, like if you're investing in something like crypto, Think about its actual utility, like who is actually going to be using this thing? You know, it doesn't just apply to cryptocurrency, it's any investment. Where is this actually going to have a place in the world? When are people actually going to be using this thing? And if you can see that thing being used and seeing it be an integral part of society in, you know, three, five, ten years, then you have a solid investment on your hands. If it's just the next hot thing and you don't really see where it's going, you don't even understand it yourself that's probably not somewhere you should keep your money. And unfortunately, a ton of people just got so burned because they were following these, you know, hype influencers who are just pumping these different meme coins and different really risky investments, quite honestly. And, you know, some people made a bunch of money, dumped and ran. Other people got left holding the bag. And unfortunately, I mean, I saw some people lose multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars. Some people even took their own life because they lost so much. So go into the extremes here, but this is a good time to reflect and think about what you're investing in. If you're someone who listens to our show, hopefully you're investing in index funds a bit. But if you're just going crazy with individual stocks and crypto, take an honest look at your portfolio and think, do all the things that I'm holding right now, do they have real longevity? Or am I just making a speculative bet and hoping that this all pans out? Yeah, because this is the first time since we've had this podcast that we've actually gotten to talk about a bear market because we haven't had one. And for most people who are listening you may have never even gotten to invest in a bear market. And so it was very easy to get lulled into a sense of like, you can't miss, like everything's going up. It's going up all the time. It doesn't matter what it is. And while it is true that the total stock market like has has always went up, it can lull you into the same way you could buy these meme coins. You could buy some of these tech stocks that are were really overvalued, that have these huge valuations, but they're burning money. Like they don't actually make a profit or they're, 
price to earnings ratio is just insane. And generally, like when we see these pullbacks, who gets hit the hardest? It's those ones that just don't make sense on paper. It's your, a lot of times you'll hear them referred to as like a value stock or something. You know, you think about a Costco, a Home Depot. Sure, are they going to get hit? Yeah, but are they going to get gutted like 80%? No, because they have real products. They serve a purpose. They make money. They're going to be there tomorrow. Doesn't matter if there's a recession or not. You got to have groceries. You got to build, you know, you got to do projects. You got to build houses. So think about it through that lens of, what are things that have staying power? And that's the reason why just investing in the total stock market is always such an easy button because, you know, then, yeah, you're going to take on some of that risk, but it's going to be spread out over across the rest of them. But if you're going to really double down and try to get into individual stock investing, you know, that's where you got to be really careful about going towards something that has these huge valuations, but doesn't really have anything to show for it. Like they, their books don't make sense. Like they're not, no one's buying their product. They're investing tons of money. They're giving away stuff. Some companies will show negative values on their balance sheet because they're reinvesting into their company. But there's a difference between that and these companies that are basically, you know, sometimes I would refer to as like vaporware. They, they got this product that's got really cool marketing, but nobody's actually using it. So just be careful about getting sucked into the next scheme. We've seen it a ton with crypto. You see it a ton with stocks. Again, going back to that, make a plan without emotion. If you want to touch some individual stocks, maybe give yourself a limit, 5%. If you want to touch crypto, give yourself a limit, you know, maybe 5%. Try to keep the bulk of your investments in things like total stock market, like real estate, things that we know over long periods of time will go up. Cody, I know we've talked a lot about like expenses that we can control. We've talked about inflation. And one thing that impacts a lot and one thing we've seen a ton of inflation on or a lot of rise in price is gas. And it's definitely something I know is super annoying, but I also just want to give the listeners like a little bit of frame of reference and think about inflation and how the average maybe is 3%. But we actually had many years where gas prices were like getting cheaper at times or staying exactly the same. And that's been true for a lot of products. I mean, like how long was a carton of eggs a dollar? I don't think we should be so shocked that prices are where they are now. It just feels shocking because it happened so suddenly. If we look over a long period of time, which the which is the view we should look at for all things, investing, inflation, you know, mortgages, rent prices, whatever it is, you got to think from a long-term view. I remember back in 2008 when I went on a road trip gasping over $4 a gallon. 2008? That's 14 years ago. I mean, like, think about if you would have bought your house 14 years ago, what it would have cost. And the fact that gas was the same price now... Was it the same price like all that year? No, or for years? No. But even if you go back, I think a very fair example would say you looked at 2004. There was no giant gas jump, no gas drop. It was kind of a steady path. It was about two bucks a gallon. And then you look at what a share of VTI was at the time. It's like 50 something bucks. So one share of VTI would be like 25 gallons of gas. Like if you thought about a share of the total stock market as like cash, you could trade one of those for like 25 gallons of gas. Well, today, even with the stock market down 20%, and at that time in 2004, the stock market was not down. It was at a, a normal rate. It was not in a bear market. Today, with it down 20%, you could take one share, and at 450 a gallon, you could go out there and buy like 42 gallons of gas. Your total stock market share is worth more gas today than it was in 2004, even with the stock market down 20% and gas like doubled. 
So that's like the most extreme scenario and it's still worth almost twice as much. So that's just another example of all the things we've talked about kind of wrapped into one. Inflation's going to happen. Stock market's always going to go up. You got to think about it from a long-term view. You can't make knee-jerk reactions, all that sort of thing. So the next time you see some crazy Facebook post about what's causing gas prices to go up and who's to blame and how much doom and gloom there is, try to just take a step back and reframe and try to reference it across a longer period of view and not just think about the last six months. Well, if I learned anything from today's episode, Justin, I think next time I'm at the gas station, I'm going to walk in my Vanguard app open, be like, yeah, I just want, you know, as many gallons of gas as this share of VTI will get me and see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) But in all seriousness, in summary, don't change your investment plan. If you've been auto contributing to, you know, a brokerage account or an IRA or a 401k, do not change that plan. Just keep it rolling. And honestly, you know, we mentioned this as well. Double down if you can. If you can pick up extra hours at work, if you can pick up a side hustle, if you can maybe cut out some of those unnecessary expenses that won't make your life miserable, this is the time to double down. The stock market's down. You're getting an extra return on your money for, you know, an almost guaranteed return later down the road. And Cody, I almost forgot to talk about it. It's just a small thing, but I know at my company, we're kind of getting into that time of the year where it's looking at compensation reviews and looking to give you an increase. And one thing that can be a big misconception is, hey, well, inflation's up 8%. My dollar's worth less. And that must mean that they owe me at least an 8% raise. And obviously, we're all about like fighting for as much of a raise as you can get. But that's actually not the logic that uh, companies are going to use. And so don't be shocked if that doesn't happen. It's really all about like what it has the labor market driven. Have wages went up X percent? It has nothing to do with inflation. They have no direct correlation. They may move in the same general direction, but it's not like an 8% increase in inflation means that the labor market rates have went up 8%. So don't be shocked if it's that time of the year and you get your raise and it's not even enough to keep up with inflation. It's an unfortunate thing, but at least maybe that'll give you a little peace understanding where maybe they're coming from. At least maybe now it would make a little bit more sense in your head and you won't feel like they're shortchanging you. It's just not the way it's based. It's not based off inflation. So hopefully this episode is helpful in understanding a recession, a bear market, and how to best prepare. Links and notes for this one, if you want to share with a friend, can be found at thefyshow.com slash recession. That's thefyshow.com slash R-E-C-E-S-S-I-O-N. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to another episode of The Fi Show. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, the best way to do that is to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Share this with a friend. And also, don't forget, you can find 200 plus episodes and all the information you'd ever want to have about these episodes over at thefyshow.com. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button because that way, every Wednesday, you can have our latest episode delivered straight to your phone. Until next time. Hey, real quick before you go, I just want to remind you that I have made my personal like budget and net worth tracking spreadsheet available, the very same one that I use to track my net worth from $38,000 to over $1.2 million available for free on our website at thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet. So you can go download that today. That's thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet.